The pain reverberating through my body was undeniable. Sobriety was channeling alarm and anxiety into and across every necessary synapse, shooting panic into the forefront of my psyche. I could easily hit up my dealer and have a critical mass of narcotics within my possession in no time, but that would require leaving my bereft sanctuary. Then it dawned on me, the full weight of it all. I can never come back. If by some miracle I turn my doorknob and not see adult of officers waiting with itchy fingers, yelling contradictory commands, looking for any excuse to dole out justice, then I'd really just have to vanish. Working paycheck to paycheck left me with only a modest sum to utilize at any given moment. Of the little left over, I could cover what? Rent? Bills? I laughed at the thought. I suppose if the plan was to disappear, it wouldn't be much of a problem to forget responsibility altogether. I figure I'll get high, fill my tank as much as possible, and see where I land. If and when they found this guy, the most obvious suspect might be the tenant that vacated his place without a word. So this also ruled out going back to work. Not that I'd still be employed by this point. But sitting in a shitty cubicle while some Sherlock pieced together the easiest case of his career didn't seem at all enticing. Honestly, even with the weight of having colossally fucked up, the thought of abandoning my obligations, my job, it made me a little giddy. It frightened me how easily that glee cut through the guilt and stress of having recently killed someone in cold blood. I decided to shrug it off and get my shit together before leaving this decrepit studio apartment. This probably shouldn't feel so good, right? I almost forgot I was stone cold sober for a few moments. I packed up what little I had, really just a change of clothes, some toiletries, and some useful paraphernalia. Sadly, there wasn't much I was leaving behind. A shitty mattress lay in front of a TV I would routinely enter into an alpha wave coma before. Just losing my time in stories that felt far enough removed from my own pitiful existence to enjoy whatever chemical fog I placed myself in. The rest was mostly garbage. I think there was maybe a photo of a girl I once thought I'd be with forever, lost in the squalor. I thought it best to leave it there too. I left with a little more excitement than I should have had and whispered as I closed that door for the last time, fuck this place. The walk to my car was torture. Never before had I felt so exposed, so vulnerable. My ears were ringing from an irritating high-pitched frequency. It was as if a banshee was just over my shoulder engaged in a session of scream therapy, solely for my listening pleasure. I couldn't help but compulsively scan my surroundings. My eyes were darting in every direction. Each and every sound caused me to flinch and divert my attention. If it wasn't already obvious I was guilty of something, it sure as fuck was now. 
Every single bit of stimuli caused an inner panic that had me certain I was going to be called out, questioned, grilled. Somehow I made it to my car without having a meltdown or a panic attack. I got the keys in the ignition with my hands noticeably shaking and started hyperventilating. No one noticed me or my connection to the now deceased. Why couldn't I calm down? I felt dazed and lost focus, then began realizing I was feverishly bashing my head against the steering wheel. It hurt. I couldn't process the conflicting commands issued forth from my fractured consciousness. Eventually, the thought of getting high seemed to take priority. The flood of signals rushing through my brain then centered on that one singular task. I grabbed my phone and sent a few texts to my dealer, hoping he wouldn't call back. For some reason, the paranoid bastard thought a text was a breadcrumb trail for any authorities already interested in his shady enterprising. A tenant nearby started to exit their doorway, and so I took it as a cue to ditch this place once and for all. I peeled out and drove, my body still uneasy from a wee bit of withdrawal and a flood of anxious energy. The road felt different with nowhere to go. Normally, I'd be under the gun, some sense of urgency hanging over my head. Even dreading wherever I was headed had its own contribution to getting me to focus. I didn't know how to feel. I wasn't going anywhere. I had nowhere to be, no one to run to. The present moment had me firmly in its grasp and I couldn't stand it. Why wouldn't my dealer just get to his phone and let me know he had enough shit to sell me? Anything would be better than shaking and feeling pain in places I had forgotten existed. I really neglected myself. I couldn't wait though, and I needed something, anything to take the edge off. A gas station crept into my purview from the pregnant horizon and gave me at least a sliver of respite from my dilemma. I would just go in there, get a pack of smokes, and a tall boy of whatever shitty beer they had available. I had no idea if or when Charlie would let me know he had anything to sell me. I'd buy anything right now, though. Just tell me it's mind-altering and I'll slam it. Being sober always had a tendency to give things an extra kick, too, so I figured the beer and cigs would just be a palate cleanser until I could get my hands on something spiritually corrosive. A heavy dose of anything. Please. I got a cold brew and a pack with some noble-looking native fellow on him and decided to fill my tank before checking my phone again. A full tank, although not high on my list of priorities, always felt satisfying. It felt reassuring and almost gave me a small sense of pride to hear that little lever on the handle click. The moment came and went. I got back in my car and pretended not to be so eager to check my phone for a response, pretending to I don't know who. Still nothing. What do I do? I just drove. I tried my best to take my mind off of everything I was obsessing over. The road didn't boast the same aesthetic beauty it normally did. The grays and dull yellows the highway scene afforded me were deep and somber. 
The green of the defeated-looking trees were almost lost in the heavy, pessimistic blur of depressing, yearning trunks and branches. I remembered there was an overpass not too far from where I found myself. It used to be a hotspot for locals to get together and engage in all manners of excess. But after a few frequenters went missing, it drew way too much attention from anyone you'd find yourself there in spite of. It was heavily patrolled at one point from overzealous officers. And after everyone found it impossible to regain the privacy the barren area once afforded, it was just sort of forgotten. People thought it was too obvious a place to get caught, and police figured no one was foolish enough to be in a place now known for always having a patrol car planted. I parked just off to the side of the road and meandered towards an area cut off from any casual glances, then found a spot to nestle in and hunker down. It was so cold I wrapped a t-shirt around my beard to keep my fingers from immediately going numb. Gulp by gulp, I started putting some distance between myself and the desperation of my predicament. My body still occasionally experienced some tremors as a gust of wind would pass by a bit too persistently or a flood of anxiety rushed along my shot nerves. The beer was nice, though. It was frosty and cold on my lips but settled in with a warming sensation that sat like a little sauna at the base of my stomach. I could feel it slosh around as I would involuntarily fidget. Sitting in the mire of my loneliness, I'd mechanically kick a rock or some nondescript debris to keep the blood flowing to my toes. New calming sensations began taking form and gracefully nullified my panic thoughts. Serene and silent, the malt liquor subdued my worries, pushing and pulling at my attention, and even mitigating some of the pain in my aching knees, in my strained ligaments. If I could stay here forever, perpetually bouncing around in this mild serenity, I doubt I'd ever find a reason to complain. I skillfully removed my pack of cigs, expertly disposing of its packaging, and removed the first one to fall under my fingertips. I flipped it upside down and placed it back in the pack. This was for good luck. In what feels like another lifetime, I had a friend who would always explain this little ritual for me as if it were the first time they had ever mentioned it. It feels like an eternity ago. I had no idea what came of their life after the few weeks we knew each other. They may as well be in another universe altogether. This is the last one I'm going to smoke. It's for good luck. She always giggled out. I grabbed another cig and held it firmly between my lips as I rummaged my pockets for a lighter. Once within my grip, I engaged the spark wheel and held the dancing flame up to the end of my stoke. Breathe in, I thought to myself. Faithfully inhaling until the plume of smoke was drowned out by the cherry red embers at the end of my cigarette. Purging the first hit, I took a few successive drags without inhaling. This always got me thinking. 
For now, though, my thoughts didn't stray all that far from the act of smoking. My focus centered on the cig's receding length and curious topography of its glowing cherry. Its structure seemed ever-changing, always in a state of flux, but in spite of its ephemeral nature, always beautiful, awe-inspiring. The embers always invoked thoughts of snowflakes, magnified to some absurd degree. It's as if worlds could exist in those selfless tobacco leaves cast aflame. I tried my best to place myself in its glimmering universe of forever being reborn, my constant death being a euphoric mist for some benevolent deity short of breath. Lost in thought. Trying was all I could do. The warm, fuzzy feeling from my beer was fading, fading like my internal body temperature. I resolved to finish my cigarette and enjoy the respite from fidgeting by focusing on my little smokestack. I burned it down to the filter, then chucked it. People usually complained about the lingering stench smoking would leave on your fingertips, but to be honest, it was one of the few things that had calmed me down. I slowly took in whiffs of that tranquil aroma as I made my way back to the car. After checking my phone, I began to wonder if I'd hear from Charlie at all before tomorrow. It felt like my mind was just immersed in sludge. Honestly, the disappointment from not being able to supply myself with a high was the closest thing I could compare to depression. The hopelessness. The finality. The fucking weight. I turned my car on and blasted the heat. I wasn't in the mood to try coming up with a backup plan. I wasn't feeling up to the task of hyping myself up. I just wanted to give up, fade into nothingness, embers to ash to nothing. The thoughts were circling my mind like hungry vultures, soaring around the outskirts of my tired internal dialogue before they dared to fly directly into my stream of consciousness. I knew what they would have me do, what they needed from me. Kill yourself. The thought resounded like a foghorn in an empty alley. Just kill yourself. Nothing in me seemed to protest. No resistance in the form of memories of retorts showing me something to live for. No images of a future beckoning me to trudge along time's ever-stretching road. It actually landed matter-of-factly. A cold, impartial suggestion. I got into the backseat to curl into a ball and sit with the thought of just ending it all. While I jostled my way into the back, just outside the window, I saw something like a white rabbit. I'd never seen one before. I could have sworn it was staring at me. As odd as the thought was, I still made my way into the fetal position uninterrupted. But I noticed I was violently jarred by the image. The fear that brief moment inspired in me confused the living shit out of me. Just a moment ago, I was resigning to the task of contemplating suicide, only now to be clinging to my welfare from an eerily intense rabbit.